Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week we'll be discussing Season 45, Episode 14 of SNL with hosts John Mulaney and musical guest David Byrne. I'm Steve Finn, and I'm joined this week by sketch comedy writer and co-host in training, Catherine Coleman, as well as former host and current superfluous third wheel, John Murray. If you'd like to connect with any of us, you can do so at snlpodcast.com. Enjoy the following selected highlights from this week's discussion. And if you'd like to hear our full-length, ad-free, sketch-by-sketch review, it's available exclusively for our patrons at patreon.com slash snlpodcast. It's our patrons who make the cast possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash snlpodcast. All right, enjoy. Okay, guys, I don't have much that I want to talk about adjacent to the show. So before we get into the update, I would just want to thank a special new patron by the name of Harley from Philly by way of South Jersey. And Harley, I want to welcome you and thank you immensely. It's great to have you. I hope you stay for a while. (laughs) And with that out of the way, we're going to do things a little bit different. As you know, we are training in a new co-host, Catherine Coleman, and we thought it'd be little bit fun to pass the baton over to her and uh, let her lead this discussion because let's face it, I don't mind doing a little less work. So <laughs> if she wants to uh, take the reins, this will be fun for all of us. So here we are. Are you ready? I am so ready. Let's do it. Take it away. Let's move on into our first and only pre-tape. Uh, it takes us into the SNL cinematic universe to see mm-hmm. Kyle undergo a major transformation in order to get fit for a stripper sketch. This one had cameos from writers Will Steven and Stephen Castillo, actor Justin Theroux as himself, and big boss man Lauren Michaels. I'm going to quickly correct you, Stephen Castillo. Yes, that makes sense. (laughs) I'm glad you brought up the SNL-CU or the Cinematic Universe because we are now enjoying the fruit that this tree can provide for us because we've spent so much time in this world and there's been so much world building that has been invested, it's really paying off. They can really take what we've already seen, assume that we know more about the world and the rules of it, and just go straight to utilizing those rules for great comedy. So now we have Kyle gaining 35 pounds of muscle (laughs) within a day, and we don't scratch our heads like we used to when we saw this weird stuff because you know we've seen much weirder with the masquerade parties and and the fairs. Now we just expect things like this in the SNL magazine, and this is one of the, the greatest outings. It does make me miss Leslie. I was hoping at some point she made like a quick cameo in this. If she was ever going to come back, I would hope <laughs> it was as Kyle's wife in these sketches, because that was such a great dynamic. We still get a lot of good stuff without her, though, and I just thought it was a lot of fun. John, did you enjoy our, our trip into the cinematic universe? I always do. I, I don't think we've ever had a bum trip to the SNLCU. They don't always get to the same heights, but they're always fun. And I just, I'm immediately won over just because being behind the scenes at SNL and kind of getting the feeling of the day to day there is always fun to see on screen, even though this is kind of a heightened reality and it's, it's a little absurd. You still kind of feel like you're a bit of a fly on the wall and you're getting to peek in on the week at SNL, even though it's this, this heightened reality. So 
that just the way that they they create these and make them look so uber realistic and everyone downplays their roles like everyone well, other than Kyle in this case but everyone's playing themselves and nobody's trying to be larger than life so it feels very grounded and very real and that's what to me makes it so much fun this was as fun a way to to revisit the world as any that we've had the only thing that i would say that is kind of disappointing as we go back to the SNLCU now that Leslie's gone is these used to have a format where you'd get the the turmoil in Leslie and Kyle's relationship and it would always culminate with some big cast event. It was the masquerade ball or it was little Lauren's recital or it, it, there was always some big event where there was a showdown or there something just epically failed. Mm-hmm. And I just liked when they shot a little higher and had that kind of set piece at the end of these. You can't always do that, right? You can't play the the one up game every time you you revisit a sketch. But I just kind of miss those where where it had that element in it because it, it made it just a little bit more whimsical. And uh, so I would like to see one where they shoot really high and give us a whole opus rather than just these little peekins. But this was still perfectly fun. I got to hand it to Louis Zakarian and his team. They turned around that muscle whatever it is uh, suit that he's wearing very quickly, and it was very convincing. And they had it feathered into his neck. I, I think they did some maybe digital cleanup on that, but it looked solid. It looked really solid. And I just always love it when SNL you know goes for the production values like that. Yeah, Louis and the makeup lab are. Miracle workers. Mm-hmm. They are wildly talented. Yeah, so I, I feel kind of the same as you, John. I liked it. I thought it was great. I love going into the cinematic universe and sort of see, seeing these people that we love and adore in their, quote, normal lives. <laughs> I think it's really fun. And I wasn't sure. Like I, I knew I liked this. But I didn't love it. I wasn't quite sure what it was about it. But I think what you said is exactly what was kind of missing is that big culmination. Mm-hmm. It didn't have a big payoff at the end. That's a good observation. I think that's what sort of left me wanting at the end of this one. Yep. Perfectly good. But yeah, it just isn't quite the epic that we've seen in the past. Yeah. Right. Moving on into the back half of the show, we have a live sketch up first. When Pete tries to buy airport sushi, we are ushered into the crazy world of LaGuardia Airport. Cameos from Jake Gyllenhaal and our musical guest, David Byrne. Steve, what'd you think of this? I thought that this third outing of the, basically the lobster diner series, if you want to call it that was the weakest. Okay. The reason for that is they kind of broadened the rules of what they can do in these sketches and kind of diluted the main point of it. Originally, it feels like they had trouble filling the time with basically the selling of the don't eat the sushi. And it really trailed off of that and became just a more general piece about the LaGuardia experience. Mm -hmm. That's fine, but it was already established, you know, what the beats of these sketches would do. This kind of went the other way and almost became unrecognizable beat by beat to the other two. Still enjoyable. It was great to see David Byrd come out, do Road to Nowhere at least some kind of parody of it. (laughs) And it was nice to see Alex and Mikey show up for a a hot second. They at least got to (laughs) appear in this episode. (laughs) I don't think they're ever going to reach the heights of Diner Lobster, but if they didn't try, I'd be bothered. I'd rather them shoot for it and not quite get there than me to be at the end of the show and say they didn't do the Diner Lobster series. I'd be upset. So I get it. I, and I enjoyed this, all of those LaGuardia specifics, 
are great. I almost always fly out of LaGuardia because it's closer to my house. And it's it's a cluster. <laughs> There's literally, like they mentioned, the wires hanging out of the ceiling. And you're just like, this doesn't seem right. Birds in the terminal. And uh, the cabs are three <laughs> miles away. No one ever knows where the Uber and Lyft and cabs are. Just blame de Blasio. Yeah, it's all de Blasio. So this one, it, it worked for me. I laughed. I, I came home. I made my husband watch it because we like to commiserate with about LaGuardia. You know, it was sort of the New York thing. And so I, I liked it. I'll probably watch it again. I didn't think it was bad by any means. It just wasn't Diner Lobster. Right. John, how'd you feel? Well, first off, I will second everyone else's disdain for LaGuardia Airport. I've, <laughs> I've had the mispleasure of, of flying in and out of there. And it's a hot mess and it's worth all of the coals that the sketch heaps on it. The first diner lobster was unexpected and it was grandiose and it was just the show at its best pulling out all the stops production wise. And it was a win for John Mulaney to take something that had been stewing for so long, you know, and to finally get that out. Colin Jost too, I should say. The first one was a big win. And unfortunately, the liability of that is it kind of became John Mulaney's recurring character. Mm -hmm. This is what people expect to see when he comes back now. So the show isn't free to just let it be a wonderful little one-off gem that can be in the clip shows. Now they have to try and top it each time. And it's one of the things about SNL that sometimes I kind of hate because I, I like it when something great that doesn't need to be recreated is just left to stand on its own. But you said it, Catherine, you said it, look, if John Mulaney shows up and they don't at least try, I'm going to be disappointed. And the show knows that a big portion of its audience is tuning in mm -hmm. to see what they're going to throw after update. That's going to top diner lobster. So the first outing, an obvious classic, the second outing was inevitable and a solid try. And because it was expected, it could never get to the same heights. I was hoping that they were going to retire it. That said, all of that baggage aside, all that meta, they try so hard with these to, to get them into the same stratosphere as Diner Lobster. And about halfway through, inevitably, just like uh, Bodega Bathroom did, about halfway through, it won me over. And I'm like, oh, you know what? This is clever. <laughs> you know, you're saying fun things. You're goofing on fun musicals. Oh, I know what you're doing there. Oh, that's so true. And they found it. And then they mm -hmm. try to go a little bit bigger with some wire work and bringing in some cameos. And the reason why they have to keep expanding the rules for the sketch is because they are trying to outdo themselves. And I feel like we've had three solid tries. You can never do diner lobster over, but there's never been one that I felt really fell apart where at the end of it, the audience is scratching their head and said, Oh, that bit just died. <laughs> you know, no one's ever going to want to see that again. They did. Unfortunately, a good enough job with this that we're going to see it again next time. Millennials. Uh, so uh, mixed feelings on this. The one thing that I absolutely want to make sure that I say before we move on is that whenever there's a big musical number like this, the one thing that I'm always kind of doing in the back of my mind is I'm watching the players to find out which players are legit singers and which ones are like funny singers. I know uh -huh. I can't hit the note, so I just kind of got to make it my own and not even try and hit it properly. So Cecily, we all know she can sing and that's why they always lean heavily on her for these parts. We know Keenan does what Keenan does. We know, we, we know who the ringers are for the musical stuff. Mm -hmm. What really surprised me and what really impressed me 
was Bowen Yang taking a run at suddenly Seymour, which just melted my heart. The reason was, well, first off he did great. And turns out, you know, the guy can carry a note and that's solid. And it's, it's one more thing in his tool belt now that the show knows they can go to him for, but I just love it when a featured player comes on and they establish themselves and they figure out kind of what their niche is and the show starts embracing it. And, and with Bowen Yang, it's like, you're the, the, the bitchy Chinese stereotype mm-hmm. or you're the gay stereotype or, you know, whatever it is. And he's been game for all that. And he's, you know, milked every second of screen time he's had uh, so far, but now he's showing, Hey, you know what guys, I know I'm Chinese and I know I'm gay. And I know I have that, you know, bitchy persona <laughs> that is just so delightful that you can slot into pretty much anything and, and score a win. But guess what? I'm, I'm a triple threat. You know, I'm the whole package here. I am here to win SNL and man, if that didn't make me happy and suddenly Seymour, one of my favorite musicals and you know, the most beautiful song from a very, you know, bizarre musical. Yeah. That was the moment that, that just, I fell in love with Bowen. Awesome. Yeah. I think Bowen's doing great. I'm really excited for him. And a thing I meant to mention and I didn't get to was just that I was looking so forward. I knew they were going to try it. And when that, (laughs) The door opened up into the deeper part of LaGuardia. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was borderline cheering. It was late and I was trying to be quiet, but I was I was gung-ho. I was ready to see what they were going to do. So You got to respect the production values. Yep. It's, a, it's a Broadway move, right? Yep. Like the world just got bigger and mm-hmm. we're going into theatrics mode and the lighting is yep. going to get more intense. We're going to have fog. Yeah. Yeah. So it's astounding. They are trying to top themselves and they're just getting so close. You know, like they're doing everything they mm-hmm. possibly can and the quality's there. It just will always live in the shadow. And that's, that's such a shame because these are great pieces on their own. They are. So I'll start with you, Catherine. What was your moment of the night? Uh, I think my moment of the night was that part I just mentioned a minute ago in, in the airport sushi sketch when the walls opened up and we went into the world. <laughs> it just really got me excited and pumped and appreciating everything that goes into making the show and the wild feats they can pull off and getting excited for this third iteration. And that was a big moment for me. And that's my moment of the night. John, what was yours? Bowen Yang taking a run at suddenly Seymour and melting my heart. I got to say that was enjoyable. He did hit the notes pretty well. He did. He did. He did have great tone. It's so nice to see when a player has a standout moment, especially a featured player. And I can't wait to see what he's able to do when he really like ramps up. And has the wind at his back and has just really taken the show for all it's worth. It's going to be an exciting few years if Bowen sticks around. I have an interesting moment. Maybe it's a little longer than a moment because it's basically the entire time we spend with the Kyle and Lauren Michaels interaction. <laughs> there is a couple of great things there. First of all, Lauren, this very strange version of politics that's in these sketches, like Lauren is saying, oh, I know John. I can call him and suggest, (laughs) dude, you're the producer of the show. (laughs) You tell these people what to do. It's so funny that, you know, he's suggesting that he only has influence because he's met the guy before (laughs) and Lord just asking to squeeze the muscles. All that was just so bizarre. And it reminds me of the weird stuff they got Lord to do for laser cats. Mm. So my moment is the Kyle and Lauren interaction from the pre-tape. Favorite sketch of the night. What was it? It's going to be airport sushi. I love the series. It worked for me. That's all I got. I liked it. I loved it. It's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. And I was a little bit hard on it. I know that I felt like it became a little bit more broad. The canvas was widened 
for more brush strokes. And I think John made a good argument that maybe that was necessary for growth, for progression, because you do want to make a more over the top version than the last one. You don't want to go down from where you went. Mm-hmm. And that's going to create more challenges the the more you try to do it. So maybe you guys are onto something with uh, with your points of view. My favorite sketch is that pre tape, just because I'm the weirdo of y'all, and this is the kind of stuff that speaks to me. Oh, because we we all hated it so much, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, the Justin Thoreau cameo really uh, surprised me, and I already talked about my favorite moment. So that's uh, that's my sketch. John, what was yours? I'm giving it to Chris Red's Weekend Update feature. I thought that was solid material. It was great to see him at the desk. There wasn't any moment in it that I felt lagged. Like there wasn't any bit or any joke that was sour on an otherwise good piece. It was end-to-end solid. And he has such a a fun way of delivering that material. You you feel exasperated for him. I, I feel like that was some of the more, you know, original fresh stuff we saw tonight. We, we had some rehashes, some very grand rehashes with the LaGuardia airport stuff, but that was the most unexpected thing. I just was not expecting to see Chris red at the desk. And when he came and he delivered, I thought that was a win. So that's my best sketch. Awesome. Let's get to MVP. Uh, I'm going to say John Mulaney. I'm going to say the host. I'm one of the few people that he means a whole lot to that he alluded to. <laughs> I, uh, I was excited to see him. The monologue was probably my second favorite thing of the night. I think he's great. He had some really good performances, especially as the little sailor boy. I think he, he really owned his episode. He was um, a very prominent host. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. John, do you concur? We know that when John Mulaney comes, it's his show, right? He's, right? he's a capable host that the show trusts, and he brings his voice to it. I'm not giving it to him, purely because I feel like this was probably the weakest Mulaney outing as far as really showcasing the best that he can bring to the show. Uh, and I think that's maybe because it's starting to get crushed under the weight of our expectations of a Mulaney episode. And we have to have a, a 10 minute musical extravaganza <laughs> after update. Like there's certain things that are now boxing Mulaney in a little bit. I feel like maybe that's hampering his ability to really shine on his third outing. I don't think that's really a knock at him because he's as capable as ever. This just wasn't his particular strongest outing, but not every SNL outing can be your strongest outing. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't fault you for picking John Mulaney because he's great. And you know that he's always uh, bringing his best to the show and his standup is always fantastic. I'm going with Bowen Yang because featured players, it warms my heart when they make the play. I love it when a hire that people could be quick to pigeonhole or typecast or assume is very limited in their range shows off their skills and impresses and just continues to just really steal scenes. So, uh, yeah, I gotta, I just, I gotta give it to my boy, my boy Bowen. I suppose he deserves it. It was short, but sweet, but also very memorable. Mm -hmm. It stuck with me. Yeah, I thought so. So, uh, I respect the decision. I'm going to be boring and give it to John Mulaney, not to disagree with what John said, because John is onto something when he says this is not his strongest outing. We never got something to the tune of, drag queen brunch nothing is <laughs> as amazing as that but it was still a very john mulaney heavy episode we got new stand-up material and he just was doing what he had to do for the material that was provided uh for this outing it just didn't hit the heights of of the last outings but you know the performance and john's energy and commitment i felt was still there so i think i think he still deserves the mpb fair enough 
Now let's get to that rating, which is what it all boils down to. So Catherine, on a scale of classic, great, decent, weak, or train wreck, how would you rate this episode? I'm going to give this one a decent. It had a couple things that I really loved, a lot of things that I liked, nothing I hated. I was a little let down. I think, as John's touched on a few times, our expectations for the Millennia episode maybe give us no choice but to be a little let down. <laughs> um, I was really, really excited about it. It wasn't bad. I didn't hate it, but it, it wasn't where the, the past two have been. And so it was just decent for me. Yeah. I think I'm there too. I think we had all the right elements to have a really great episode. And for whatever reason, just the quality of writing did not elevate to what we've seen in, in previous outings. So I think decent, maybe a decent minus is pretty appropriate. So I'll give that rating as well. John, are we going to stick with that or break the tie? No, it's unanimous. I'm going decent as well. I can say that there was a lot of good stuff that got chopped. And I think that's a symptom of a show that gets really awkward from a timing standpoint when you have that big grand musical number right after update. As yes. we could see, we only got what one other sketch in the back half. So you can see that um, when you double down on a big production like that, other things are going to have to get sacrificed. And so I think this show probably could have been better if some of the more inventive stuff that maybe just from a production standpoint, they couldn't squeeze in. If some of that had a uh, cut through, I think maybe we would have had a stronger outing overall, but we did have solid fundamentals, solid monologue, solid weekend update. Those are two core pieces that any show needs to have in place to, to be a win overall. And so even though some of the other sketch fair was a bit lackluster, there was enough there in just those two pieces. And then of course, even though it wasn't Diner Lobster, we did get a big musical number and you have to applaud the effort and, yes. and everything that goes into something that, that grand, like that is a spectacle and that is what you tune in to see. So they tried to deliver on that and you got to respect that as well. So there was enough here that was working that this was a decent episode. It's worth recommending and it's, it's worth uh, revisiting, but just wasn't quite as great as uh, we would have hoped for from John Mulaney. And so I hope next time, they recognize that, okay, we did the John Mulaney trilogy here. We gave the people what they wanted. Let's close that chapter. Next time he comes back, let's just clear the table and let's just generate and build some new traditions for his next three outings. If they can do that, then John Mulaney is someone who should be hosting every year until the show gets canceled. Like he's, he's one of those guys. He, he should be a Buck Henry. He should be a Steve Martin. He should be an Alec yeah. Baldwin. He, he never disappoints a fun enough outing. I'm glad I tuned yep. in, even if it, it, yeah, it wasn't the showstopper I was hoping for. Do we have any other insight into this show before we call it? I'm good. Nope. I love Mulaney. Let's just get more adventurous and fresh next time. Uh, we've delivered as many big musical numbers as we need to. I want to see what else we can do with John Mulaney. Great takeaway. All right. Let's call it there. Thanks to Catherine Coleman and John Murray. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Sam Bowers, Neil Weinstein, Justin Gardner, Carissa Eubank, Aaron Intrader, Donald Yates, Zachary Phillip, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer to listen on. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in one week when SNL returns with host Daniel Craig and musical guest The Weeknd. 
But until then, this has been episode number 104 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Steve Finn, and I am out of here. <laughs>